You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. A cyber espionage campaign exploits a recently patched .NET vulnerability as Leviathan fishes with torpedo recovery programs. What does Pyongyang want in cyberspace? Apparently, a lot of the same things it wants in physical space. Some observers think Putin thinks the Americans started the whole destabilization struggle. Cutlet maker malware jackpots ATMs. We check in with Dinah Davis from CodeLikeAGirl.io. The bound hook stealth tool is demonstrated. Ransomware is still a threat. And a New York judge thinks the NYPD didn't get the memo about the importance of backups. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, October 19th, 2017. A recently patched .NET vulnerability, CVE 2017-8759, is being exploited in the wild by a threat actor believed to be operating from China, possibly under Chinese government control. Most recently, Proofpoint has seen this threat group active against a U.S. research center and shipbuilding industry targets. Proofpoint is calling the cyber espionage group Leviathan. Leviathan is using torpedo recovery programs as their fish bait. F-Secure last year observed the group's Nanhai Shu malware deployed against Philippine targets. F-Secure hasn't attributed the activity to the Chinese government, but others perceive connections between the threat actor and attempts to advance Chinese interests in disputes over territorial waters in the South China Sea. Those disputes have been with many of the nations bordering what every country, save China, regards as international waters, but the Philippines have been particularly affected. What's North Korea up to in cyberspace? By general consensus, little good. Writing in The Diplomat, two George Washington University experts, Frank Salufo and Sharon Kardash, argue that Pyongyang's intentions must be understood in the context of that country's perceived self-interest. Why the ongoing involvement of the Lazarus Group with theft, most recently another bank heist? Salufo and Kardash point out that North Korea's missile and nuclear ambitions are expensive and the country is cash-strapped. They also argue that the DPRK's development of a non-negligible cyber capability is an attractive tool the Kim regime can use to make up for its conventional military shortfalls. But, as always, attribution is murky. Security firm Trend Micro, which does a great deal of work in East Asia, points out that North Korean computers are as hackable as anyone else's and that they're susceptible to manipulation into false flag or simple criminal operations. So the caution is a useful one. 
A cyber Tonkin Gulf incident is as much to be deplored as a cyber Pearl Harbor. Still, all things considered, security specialists in government and out of it do well to keep a close eye on North Korea. Russian President Putin has long had a number of beefs with the United States, but apparently some diplomatic activity in January 2012 really set Mr. Putin off. Specifically, the newly appointed U.S. ambassador to Moscow held some prominent meetings with dissident and opposition leaders. Reports indicate that Putin perceived the ambassador's meetings as the opening shots of an American campaign to destabilize the Russian government, with some observers dating the beginning of his strong interest in influence operations to that episode. The ATM malware cutlet maker is able to jackpot the cash machines. A video of what this looks like is available on Bleeping Computer. And Kaspersky has found it for sale in criminal markets for $5,000. Cutlet Maker comes bundled with a password generator and an app that can tell the crooks what's inside the particular ATM they're working. With the ongoing shortage of qualified candidates for cybersecurity jobs, businesses struggle to attract and retain women and minorities to the industry. Dinah Davis is director of R&D at Arctic Wolf Networks and founder of CodeLikeAGirl.io. CodeLikeAGirl describes themselves as a space that celebrates breaking down society's perceptions of women in technology. We check in with Dinah from time to time throughout the year for updates on the CodeLikeAGirl community. One of the hard things is always talking about the hiring pipeline, right? There's even fewer women in security than there are women in tech. And how are we going to change that pipeline issue? And I think that like some positive things are we are seeing change there. Anecdotally, I'm sure we could go and get the data, but anecdotally, I am seeing more women graduate. Um, more women being influential in, in the first couple years out of school. I think we still have a huge gap in the like 10 to 15 year experience. That's like where there was no recruitment done, focused towards getting more women in computer science. We have these amazing women from the 80s when we had higher rates of women in technology who, who were pioneers for us. But we had this massive drop in the early 90s that persisted really until just maybe like three years ago. And even, you know, the upside on that isn't isn't huge. It's not like we're gone from 20% to like 40%. We might be gone from like 20% to 25% at schools that have been focused on on changing that ratio. So it's good. Like the pipeline is is getting bigger. I think we are starting to fix that problem. But when you're looking for experienced women, you still it's really hard to find. The, and the women who are there, they're amazing. They're they're highly sought talent, right? So they're they're getting asked for multiple jobs. Or recruiters are always asking them to come and interview because everyone wants to increase their gender diversity. But but it's not there. In terms of the the code like a girl community, um, are people optimistic that the the uh, workplace environments that they'll be going into have sufficiently changed that it's going to be a kind of place where they want to stick around? Well, I would love to say yes, but I'm not sure we're there yet. Hmm. I think that's an evidence from a lot of what's been in the news over um, this past spring with Susan Fowler and some of the newer things that were happening this summer. I don't think that that we are there, but there's much more awareness of it than there ever was before. And when women bring things forward now, they are being taken seriously. Whereas, you know, two, three years ago, you look at that Ellen Poe case and she lost. 
I don't think Ellen would lose today. As someone who does hiring, what do you wish that some of the men who do the hiring in our industry knew? Uh, That women will not necessarily brag about themselves enough in an interview and that that will make them look like they maybe are not as good as the men when that is not the case. I think there's just this sense of us, we don't want to overstate our ability, we want to be very honest. And while it's not that the men aren't being honest, they're just more confident about it. So, I mean, even for myself, I make sure when I go into interviews, when I've been interviewing and push myself to like pretend I'm talking about my best friend instead of talking about myself. Hmm. Um, And how would I explain myself as my best friend instead of as myself? And I'd probably highlight things a little bit more, probably be a little less humble, right? Because you're showcasing yourself in an interview. You're not there to like show who's the humblest. You're there to like really show the talent you have. Um, And I think that that comes a bit more naturally to some men, not all men, but to some men than it does to women. That's Dinah Davis from Code Like a Girl. You can check out all of their resources at codelikeagirl.io. CyberArk describes a proof of concept it's calling Bound Hook that enables post-intrusion application hooking and stealthy manipulation in Intel's Skylake microprocessor. Microsoft calls Bound Hook more stealth technique than exploit, since it functions to conceal activity in an already compromised machine. More malicious apps surfaced in Google's Play Store, among them SockBot, malware that ropes Minecraft-playing devices into a botnet. Locky seems to be holding its place atop the ransomware leaderboard. Locky ransomware's constants appear to be a close association with Nikur's and the dissemination of an awful lot of spam, according to a Trend Micro study. And finally, in a story that's ripped from the headlines... No, wait, it actually is a headline. Anyway, a New York judge is shocked to learn that the NYPD's large evidence database isn't backed up. The headline in question appears in Ars Technica, which reports that the New York Police Department's property and evidence tracking system, PETS, is in effect a single point of failure. If it went down, were corrupted, or, say, were hit with ransomware the NYPD would lose everything stored therein. We'll give the last word to Manhattan Supreme Court Judge Arlene Bluth. That's insane, she simply told the ADA. If it pleases the court, Your Honor, you're right. That's insane. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, uh, we had a story come by from Wired, um, really taking a look at uh, President Trump's cybersecurity executive order so far. Uh, it's been a few months since the order came out, and uh, we're sort of taking stock of uh, what's happened. So bring us up to date here. Well, uh, it was received very well when it was uh, first put out on May 11th. It got bipartisan praise. He had claimed during the campaign that he was going to come up with a cybersecurity executive order in the first 90 days. And though it was a little late, he ended up fulfilling that promise, which I think was significant. The criticism has started to mount since the executive order was enacted. For one, the administration has missed some of its self-imposed deadlines. Uh, And at least according to some experts, many agencies are still in their planning and information gathering stages, which is fine. But time starts to become a factor, especially when we've had um, what this this article calls destabilizing cyber attacks. We had the WannaCry attack, the NotPetya ransomware uh, outbreak this summer. We've had attacks on the integrity of our uh, election systems. So... The criticism now is focusing on how quickly the policies, which have received bipartisan praise, are actually uh, going to come to fruition. And what kind of teeth does the policy have in terms of uh, pushing, you know, the agencies along to meet the deadlines? Well, you know, executive orders don't carry the same weight as federal statutes. They are sort of self-imposed. I don't think any individual who would potentially be affected by this this executive order would have standing to sue based on any of these delays. So it is sort of self-enforced, which is why it's particularly difficult. One of the problems they've been having, and this is true across all agencies, is staffing. Mm. Um, the, the administration has been very slow to staff some of these agencies. I know this article mentions NIST, uh, as one of the agencies that's uh, had problems staffing. And then he also has a a number of councils, including a National Infrastructure Advisory Council, which uh, advises DHS on matters of cybersecurity, in which we've seen some members resign over unrelated political issues and uh, also based on the slow implementation of this executive order. So when you start to lose that expertise, both the private sector members that sit on some of these boards and you fail to staff up some of these public agencies, that's when we'll really start to see some of these delays. Stakeholders are starting to get concerned that the federal response is not keeping up with the threats that we're facing. They don't want us to have to wait for some sort of 9-11 type cyber event where metaphorically everything comes crashing down. That's the worry uh, that many of the stakeholders have on this issue. Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, 
Banta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.